Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. Last week we started talking about the the battles within us and we discovered Paul uh, taught us that there is a sinful nature that is right there along with us. Even though you're a Christ follower, if you've said yes to King Jesus, you still have this sin nature that is inside of you. And we, we're talking about how in Paul's case, and Paul's case is like our case, that there's things we want to do that we don't do, and there's things that we don't want to do that we find ourselves compelled to doing. It's, uh, part of that is, is the sin nature within us working within us. And at the end, uh, towards the end of my talk last week, we looked at how to defeat it. And we read Romans 8 verse 1. Go ahead, Brenda, and put 8-1 up for us. Uh, in that, Paul was writing, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And very quickly, I just, just touched on it. I talked about no condemnation. Now, we didn't, we didn't even really talk about the word because it might be that some of us are comfortable with a big $3 word like that, condemnation. Some of us might not be so comfortable with it. Think about no condemnation is another way of saying that there's no judgment present. There's no anger there is no wrath stored up. There is no punishment for your wrongdoing. And Paul is announcing that saying, because of Christ's work in our lives, because of what Christ did on planet earth, we don't have to fear an angry God looking upon us. We don't have to fear a God of wrath or a God of judgment that's just waiting to punish us. And I was saying that, that that's how we defeat it. You know, we do. De- we defeat the, the battle within. We, we come at our sinful nature recognizing that, uh, that we have Jesus Christ that has done everything for our salvation. He has done everything. Now, I will uh, admit to you, last week I was just simply skimming the surface when we look at how do we defeat the battle within us. I did not have the time to go deep, deep into the tools, the tools that God has given us beyond just looking at 8-1 where I said that there's no condemnation found uh, within the family of God because of the work of Jesus. And, and so I just gave that as a prescription to deal with our sin nature. The truth being told, though, there are many tools that God has given us, and they're found in Romans chapter 8. And so I invite you, if you have a copy of scriptures, go to Romans 8 because we're going to continue to look at this subject of how do we deal with the battle within. And we're going to look specifically at Romans 8. Uh, Many argue that Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the book of the Bible. Matter of fact, about 20 years ago, there was a, a survey that was sent out to major uh, New Testament scholars, Bible teachers, all across the country, uh, seminaries, uh, greater universities, large universities that teach the Bible. And they just simply ask the question, what do you think is the most important chapter in the Bible? And overwhelmingly, like over 80% of these Bible scholars all pointed to Romans 8. And they said, this is the greatest chapter. If you could only have one chapter of the Bible to take with you when you are stranded on a desert island, then take Romans 8 and read it often. What I would say to you is this, is when you find yourself, when you find yourself dealing with internal conflict, 
when you find yourself dealing with doubts, when you find yourself dealing with incessant fear in your life, when you find yourself struggling over, over addictions, when you find yourself struggling with uh, the wars within you that, that bring you, drag you down, I would invite you, uh, no matter what the subject is, uh, that are the subject of the doubts or the fears or the frustrations, turn to Romans 8 and read Romans 8 and reread Romans 8 and memorize Romans 8 uh, because this passage, this chapter is so powerful because there are many tools found in Romans 8. There are so many tools, as a matter of fact, we don't have the time today to delve into every one of them. And so my goal today is to give you one practical tool that we find in Romans 8 and to also share with you one mind-blowing truth that, can, that you can use when you are engaging in the battles within. For that, we just immediately dive into Romans 8, verse 5. Paul writes, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Think about that for a second. Life and peace. I mean, by a show of hands, how many here would love a summer that's dominated, this summer, dominated by life and peace, right? Wouldn't that be a nice thing? Some of us, we have, we'd have the uh, earthly minds. You'd think, well, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have a, my, a life or summer dominated by uh, life and peace, but I don't have the money to go to the Caribbean. I don't have the money to go to a Polynesian island. I don't have the money to go on a perpetual vacation for the next 12 weeks. Friend, that's not what this passage is talking about. Uh, you see, we've, we've already dealt with over and over and over in the past year that our circumstances, our happenings, do not dictate our happiness, right? We, we, uh, we could be going through hell on earth, but if our minds are right, if our hearts are right, we will experience this kind of life and this kind of peace that Paul is talking about. It's not about our surroundings. It's not about our circumstances. It's about what's going on in our head, Right? And, and the reality is the battle within yourself will be won or lost based on your thought life. You realize that? Uh, for instance, example here might shock, it might offend somebody. I, I apologize. Let's just pretend. Now, this has never happened in 30 years of ministry, but let's just pretend you guys wake up on a Tuesday and you turn on your news or you open up your newspaper and there you see or there you hear a headline about how Pastor Tony was arrested for assault. Now, some of you know me go, oh, it's not so far from the truth, but, but let's just, okay. But then as you go into the story deeper, you discover that that assault was not just on anybody, but it was on our very own Garrett Prevo, right? Garrett Prevo, I punched him in the nose. I just, I broke his nose. Now, some of you look at Garrett and say, Tony, I'm pretty confident Garrett can take care of himself, right, with you. And I say to you, talk to my son because he understands I'm a third-degree black belt and he thinks I'm the toughest man in the world, right? Now, understand, many of us would just stop at the action, right? And you would say, well, the action, Tony punched someone. What a terrible experience. But, but for those of you who are a little bit more insightful, you understand that action is driven by what? Emotion, isn't it? I, Tony didn't just come up 
out of nowhere and just punch someone for no reason. Yes, there are people who hurt people for no reason. There are people who react for no reason. But why would a pastor who could lose it all punch out one of his, one of his leaders on his leadership team for no reason? There has to be a reason. And the reality is in this, my little story here, uh, there actually is a reason here. I'm, I'm dro- driven by emotion. I'm driven by a bad emotion. Why? Because, because my mind, as I was angry at Garrett, my mind was being told a lie. I had a thought come into my mind, and that was that Garrett was, was telling lies about me. Right? Now, again, keep in mind, this is all, he, Garrett's not telling lies about me. I have not punched him in the nose, nor am I tempted to punch him in the nose. None of that's happening. But, but my, my bad action happens because I'm emotional and I'm angry. My emotions are driven by a thought that comes into my mind and it keeps on going over and over and over and over in my mind that Garrett is saying terrible things about me and my family. Not just about me, but my family, my wife and my son. And I keep on just, I go to bed at night thinking about it. And next thing you know, that's all I see. That's all I think about. I believe something that's false. I'm driven by that falsehood. That falsehood starts stoking up emotions inside of me. Those emotions turn into actions. So how do you control your thoughts? How do you control your thoughts? We see this here in this passage. Here is the, here is the one just practical tool you can take in how do you engage the battle within. Ask the Spirit to give you better thoughts to think, right? You see, we find ourselves engaged and locked into this mortal combat, this battle within, and oftentimes that battle within is being driven by lies, by falsehoods, by emotional thoughts that are going on inside of us, and they feel so real, don't they? Just like this little, this little fake story I, I threw out there. It feels so real that, that, that Garrett's going around telling bad things about my wife and my kid, and I'm so angry about it, and no one can tell me that it's, it's a falsehood because my emotions scream it. And so what do I need to do? I need to start thinking better thoughts. I need to start thinking thoughts like this. Garrett would never do that. He's a friend of mine. Garrett, Garrett, I've known Garrett now for, for 15 plus years and he's always been a person to tell the truth. He's always been a person that's had my back. He's always been a person that has encouraged me when many people would discourage me. He's always been a person to encourage my family and to cheer my family. Everything I read from Garrett is about how the dad is so important. He would never do something to hurt a dad and a son. Those are the thoughts that I need to begin doing. The kind of actions I need to would come from that would be, finally, I would gain the courage to go to Garrett and say, Garrett, I've heard something. Man, I, I heard that, that you were talking bad about my family. And I wouldn't be able to allow Garrett to share the truth with me, right? Because my emotions now are open because I, I'm thinking the right kinds of things. How much is that for the battles that we experience? We experience that, that we get these ideas that come from us, come into our minds. We, we start hearing these thoughts. Matter of fact, one person wrote that Satan will give you ideas. It's called temptation. And God will give you ideas. And that is called inspiration, right? 
And so some of us, we've been allowing Satan or maybe the wrong influences, if not Satan, you know, oftentimes we credit him with a lot of things he has no fingerprints on, he has nothing to do with, but, but we allow the wrong influences to whisper into our lives and to be sharing things that just cause our emotions to plummet, cause our psyche to plummet, cause our psychology to plummet. And what we need to begin doing is allowing better thoughts to permeate our mind. And now this is not a talk about, you know, what resources to go to to, to think more positively or to, 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 to figure out how to get courage or encouragement. But rather, I'm just opening and pointing the scripture to you. Paul is inspiring us and encouraging us. He's saying that, that we are dominated by our sinful nature uh, because our sinful nature thinks about sinful things. But he says, since you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So rather than me saying, hey, you gut it out and work harder at thinking better thoughts, how about this? If we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, if we're thinking terrible thoughts, if we're allowing our mind to go into places it shouldn't, if we're allowing the cause of depression to dig deep into us and allowing terrible, stinking thinking, I would call it, to dominate and permeate our thoughts. How about we just have a, a, a 30-second prayer time where we say, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you. My thinking is very bad right now. My, my thought process is very corrupted by the sinful flesh that is in my life right now. Would you start helping me think better thoughts? Would you help me to have a different perspective that ultimately starts from just having better thoughts coming to my head. If you find yourself having these battles within, why don't you try that? Why don't you try that this week and see what happens? See if the Holy Spirit would honor that kind of prayer of just something simple. You know, I'm not telling you to, to pray circles around uh, seeing, seeing these deep fortresses uh, of sin uh, fall in your life. I'm just saying, just ask the Holy Spirit to, God, plant in my heart some good thoughts today. Plant in my mind some good thoughts to think about. And let's just see if the Holy Spirit will be faithful, will be faithful to do that. Okay? So there's a practical tool for you to engage as you are fighting the battles inside of you. Now, a second thing I promised that we would do uh, is to look at a mind-blowing truth for us to walk away with as we engage the battles within. What, what is that mind-blowing truth? We find it here in Romans 8, and that is that God is good, that he is in control, and his love never fails. When we allow that to take deep root into our lives, God is good. He is in control of your life, the goods, the bads, the highs, the lows, and his love never fails. Not sharing anything you haven't heard before, not sharing any original thoughts that only came from my mind. These are things that we have had for 2,000 years plus, but they're things that sometimes we overlook, aren't they? They're things that we have heard so often we just let them bypass us and just move on because we don't understand or we don't, we don't get shocked by the implication of what these words mean. God is good. He is in control and his love never, or his love never fails. Another way of saying that is his love 
endures forever. In verses 19 through 25, I don't have time to dig through those, but basically if you take time to read 19 through 25 yourself uh, today, you'll discover that Paul is saying that he's unpacking how sin breaks and ruins everything, everything in life. Pain touches all facets of life, all facets of the human existence. In 19 through 25, Paul is agreeing that, that, that there's incredible brokenness in our world. He is agreeing that there is incredible injustice in the world, despite the fact that God is good and that he is in control and that his love never fails. He is agreeing with, with people who would say that life is unfair, that life is hard. Paul, in verses 19 through 25, would say, yep, absolutely it is. The reason being is not because God is good or not because God doesn't care, not because God is impotent. The reason being is because of how sin has infected every aspect of existence, how sin is that great disease, worse than cancer, worse than any kind of uh, disease or contagion you could uh, have in your life, that sin breaks everything, sin destroys everything, sin hurts everything, and because of that, people will experience pain, people will experience unfairness. Will every person in this world experience injustice? Absolutely. And before you start polishing your medal about how you suffer more than other people, understand that you, I am sure, have given injustice to other people, right? And so while you can sit back and talk about how hard your life is, you know what? I guarantee you, you've made, your, you've made other people's lives hard too. How can I say that? Because I know that because I've done that, right? We're all in the same boat here. And he goes on, he describes that in 19 through 25. And then he continues on in verse 26. And Paul says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all, all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. What, what are we learning here? That the Holy Spirit's praying. He's praying for me. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. God, the reality is this, God is on our side. And he, the Holy Spirit, prays to God the Father, God the Father, regularly for us in ways that we don't even understand, ways that we don't even know. He gets to the heart of the matter. He gets to the kernel, the core of the problem. And he's talking to himself, God the Father, you know, God the Father, God the, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one, the Trinitarian God, the Trinity three in one. Um, it'd be easy. Some of us would be confused there and go, what? you're telling me the Holy Spirit is praying to himself, to the Father? Uh, he's talking to himself. To that, if that's a conundrum to you, what I would say is this. Have you ever talked about yourself? Have you ever talked to yourself about anything? Have you ever, have you ever found yourself driving and just hashing things over in your mind? I mean, you know, if we have the ability to talk to ourselves and it helps us, don't you think the, the father has the ability to talk to himself on our behalf, on our purposes? The point is that God is thinking. He is thinking of us. And we've already learned there's no condemnation. That means there's no anger. There's no wrath. There's no hatred. There's no, 
There's no uh, sense of hurting us that is in God's heart it's, or in God's mind. And so he is on our side. Paul goes on to continue as he lets us know that the Spirit of God is praying on our behalf in our times of struggle, in our times of frustration, in our times of hurt. He continues on in, in verse 28. He says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God has a way of taking terrible happenings Terrible things that are tragic and, and are so hurtful and are so despicable. And he can use them for the good of his people. For the good of people called according to his purposes. You could sit back and say, I don't know about that, Tony. I, that's a, yeah, it's easy for you to say up there because you're not feeling pain that I'm feeling right now, Tony. And to you, I would speak back and go, boy, I wonder, I wonder if Joseph would have the same thoughts that you're having as he was sitting in a well after his brothers beat him up and threw him in the well, and he's overhearing some of them talking about killing him, and then finally the side that is like pro-human trafficking wins out, and he is now going into another land away from his family. I wonder if, if Joseph would, in that time period, uh, say, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. There's no way this can be used for good. And then I wonder what that same Joseph would say as he is now second in command of the most powerful nation of the world, and he, uh, by his foresight, by the direction that God has given him through, through dreams of Pharaoh, that he was able to preserve and save his whole family and save a whole people group. I wonder if 20 years later, if Joseph said, I'm so glad I went through that. I'm so glad I went through that. I wonder if Daniel, Daniel would be sitting there going, yeah, there's no way, God, there's no way that God could use this for good when he's watching his home destroyed, as he's watching his parents murdered. When, when he is forced along a trail to, to Babylon as he is in the process of becoming a slave for the Babylonians. And as we've talked about in the past, that, that involves being sterilized, right? That involves having to, to surrender all things that you know to be, that you've grown up with and embrace a foreign God that embraces uh, a different dress pattern, a different speech pattern. It, it, it embraces learning witchcraft because that's what Joseph had. He was learning those dark arts. He was forced to learn them. He was forced to take those classes, doing all of those things. I wonder if at that time, Joseph sat there and said, this is terrible and there is no way God's going to use this for my good. And then we see the end of the story as he writes the book of Daniel and, and he, he is able to help his people thrive in Babylon. If he could sit back and say, I see that God did everything here. Everything that happened, God used it for his good and for my good, for our people's good. I wonder, as Jesus is nailed on a cross, if anyone could have sat back and looked at that terrible image and go, nothing good can come from this. Nothing good can come from, at very least, an innocent man dying a terrible death. At what we understand theologically, the Son of God, life himself, the one who, who spawned all of this earth, the one who was the creator of this world, of everything we know, is dying ignominiously on a cross. Anything, nothing good will come from that. Surely this is defeat. And of course, if you're a Christ follower, you know that that was the beginning of the greatest victory that has ever taken place. What am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say this, that terrible things, terrible things happen, and yet God has a way 
He has a way of taking those terrible things that are so tragic and so painful and spinning them in such a way that great comes from them. We also know that, that God wants you and I to succeed. He is not rooting for our failure. Do you get that? I mean, all of us would sit back and spiritually nod our head. Yes, of course I get that. But do you really understand that? That God is rooting for our success. He's rooting for your success. He wants to see you win. He wants to see you win at life. He is for you. If you are a follower of Christ, you know that God is your biggest fan, and you know that God, know that God wants to see you succeed. Now, the problem is sometimes our definition of winning and success is very different than what God's definition is, and that's one of the things that we need to do is get our definition of what success is in line with his. But Paul continues to write on in, in 31. He says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also, won't he also give us everything else, Paul asks? You see, God wants us to succeed. 38, Paul continues to write. He says, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The reality is this, friend. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what's going on with the battle within you, God's love will never fail you. Think of all the things that you could lose in this life, right? I mean, I did that this week, just a little exercise in preparing for today. And, you know, I came up with quite a lengthy list. Some of those things I recognize is, you know, I realized I could, I could lose my family. I could lose my wife. I could lose my kids. I could lose my job. I could lose my money. I could lose my home. I could lose my car. I could lose my hair. I could lose my health. I am losing my hair, actually. I could lose my freedom. I could lose my faculties and my my, my ability to hear, my ability to see, my ability to process and communicate. I could be reduced to a penniless beggar with no one or nothing in my life. But the one thing I can count on is I will never lose my salvation. Ever. Ever. Some of you have come from denominations that don't teach the eternal security of the believer. And I'm sorry that you had that experience. And I'm sorry uh, if you're still holding on to that truth because the reality is you're wrong. You're wrong about that. The Bible is very clear. Scripture is very clear. The reading that we just read here, nothing will take us from the hand of God. People who sit back and go, well, I could, take, I, could, I could take myself from the hand of God if I so choose. Friend, you have too big of a position. You have too big of a thought about how powerful you are if you believe that. You can, you, even yourself cannot take yourself from the hand of God. I will never lose my salvation and neither will you. Once you're in God's hand, he will never let go of you, friend. And I'm here to tell you that that is truth, and it's not just Tony's truth. It's the truth of 2,000 years of apostolic teaching in Scripture. And we can have that confidence today. I can have that confidence knowing no matter what happens, 
CDC says tomorrow, hey, guess what? We were wrong about the masking. You got to start wearing a bubble around yourself for the next 25 years. Guess what? I'm still saved. I'm still headed to heaven. Government tomorrow could, could, could go broke and we discover it's a dissolve and we're going into an entire new world. Guess what? I'm still saved. You're still saved if you've said yes to King Jesus and we're still moving forward with our eternal, with our eternal home in heaven. There is nothing that can happen on planet earth that's going to rock that truth, friends. And you can take that to the bank and you can take that home with you. And if you're sitting back going, well, that's good that you believe that, Tony, but you know what? You're just a human being and I just can't take your words. Fine! Please read Romans 8 on your own and read it over and over and over again if you want to try to disprove the thoughts I'm sharing today. I invite you, I beg you, engage with the Word of God on your own. Oh my, I'm terrified if my people, if the people I get to shepherd are reading God and are more literate with the Word of God than I am. Whoa, whoa! Woe is me, how terrible a life is that? Read Romans 8 for yourself, friends, and let it just pour into your life and see what kind of confidence you're going to walk away with as you engage in the battle within yourself. I promise you, you will experience incredible insight from God. And so as I wrap up today, I just simply ask you this. Do you belong to Christ? Because everything I've said today is predicated not on the fact that if you're a human being, not if you're a good person, you can expect these things. All of these things I've shared is not based on, well, are you a church member? Have you been baptized? Do you, do you take the Lord's Supper with anybody, with any community of believers? None of those things matter. What we're talking about, the, these things we've shared about are only, only open, only, only available for people who've said yes to King Jesus. These benefits that are there are not available for the whole human race. They're only available for the saved, for the people who've said, I need God in my life. I need him to forgive me of my sin, and I am choosing to have him be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm inviting him inside of me to be my leader, to change me from the inside out. So do you belong to Christ? And then I just simply ask, are you applying these truths into your life on a regular basis? Are you finding yourself, it's, it's another way of saying discipleship, really. Are you allowing the truths of God's word to, to come into your heart and to change you from the inside out? Perhaps today there's someone here that, that says, Tony, I, I need new thoughts. I need new thoughts. I've been generated with some stinking thinking for a long time now, and I've allowed it to warp me. I've allowed it to hinder my relationship with my spouse, with my kids. I've allowed it to hinder my relationship at work with coworkers. I've allowed stinking thinking to create a barrier between me and neighbors. I need some new thinking. I want to pray for you today. So I'm going to invite you right now to just bow your heads and just, just join me in prayer and and every head's bowed, every eye's closed. And I'm just going to, I'm not even going to ask, you know, show of hands. Because I know there's people here that need some new thoughts. And so I'm just going to pray the prayer that I would pray when I need new thoughts. I invite you to pray that prayer. Just take it for yourself here. God, I confess today that some of my thoughts are corrupt. And some of my thoughts are based on fear and based on ignorance and based on selfishness. Forgive me, God, when I allow those things to drive me 
and to drive my thinking. And so, Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you help me start generating some new ideas in my mind. That you would put some things in front of me that I could begin thinking about that are exactly what Paul talked about, that are pure and that are good. Things that can generate and propel me into success and into peace and in real, into real life, God. God, put some new thoughts in my life in this season. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.